0: It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off coming up. You hear me talk about credit score, credit score, credit score, but now it's getting to be not quite mainstream, but more mainstream players are using alternative ways to decide whether or not to extend you credit. I'm going to tell you what factors they're looking at that have nothing to do with traditional credit. Clark.com is our main web address. ClarkDeals.com is where you go to find the latest, greatest deals each and every day. So I've talked about and had questions about this thing that's quite the buzz now about coding schools where you sign up for a program that in just a few months you are supposedly job ready and that you will be employed in a very high-paying job just by having taken a three-month or so coding class. Well, now a lot of the coding schools are closing their doors They have the money of their students who've been paying and they just vanish. Others are still thriving. Most important recommendation for you is that the best coding schools, the best coding programs, are ones that are integrated with employers. And now there are a number of employers that will recruit you and pay for you to attend a program. Now what they do is typically they will front the money, and if you come to work for them and you stay with them for a period of time, the equivalent of a loan from the employer is forgiven for you attending coding school. But they're not all created equal, obviously, if a lot of them are closing It's got to be one that fits what the marketplace wants. And I saw an item in the New York Times, what are the things that employers seem to mean, need the most right now? Programs that incorporate artificial intelligence, project management, and then things that are specific to an individual corporation that has worked with, usually these are called coding boot camps or coding schools, where they've worked directly together. This is important because the best coding schools won't just take anybody with a pulse. They also need to make sure that you have basic aptitude that they test for that you'll take to coding, which, if you're not familiar, is knowledge and training that allows you to work in data work in the computer field at entry level but entry level in that field pays typically four times what entry level does in most fields which is why it has people's attention but I've talked to people on our web team for Clark.com and they keep insisting that you should be looking at Coding programs that are free, and the one that keeps coming up is Code Academy, Code Cat Code-amy? Code Academy. How do you say it? I'll spell it: C O D E C A D E M Y. Code Code Academy, I guess is how you'd say it. That's so funny. So it's got a lot of. Free programs available, and there are any of a number of others that are free for coding. One that also gets a lot of buzz is Free Code Camp. That's a pretty direct and simple name. But you have to be, and this is why most people don't do the free programs, you have to be very highly self motivated because this is not the most scintillating stuff you're doing in school and if you are not a highly motivated individual you need to go through one of the coding boot camps So just make sure it's one that's lined up with employers before you give them a penny of your money melanie's with us on the clark howard show hello melanie
1: hello thank you so much clark for taking my call
0: certainly what's going on melanie
1: Okay, uh, well, my son's uh, employer uses one of the really big mega banks as their 401k
0: provider. No, they're not. They're not using a bank as their 401k provider? Yes, they are. Do they are. hate their workers? They must hate your son.
1: <laughs> well, this is the deal. They will match 100% for their first 3% that he puts in. And my question is, would it be better to go with his work or go with another provider with lower fees?
0: Okay, so what I would do if I were him is the employer, by doing a match, shows they don't hate your son. They're just clueless. Okay. Who they're using for their 401k plan. Because the big banks are tiny players in 401ks, and the reason Mm -hmm. is... Their fees on them are gigantic.
1: Yeah, they have additional fees may be charged.
0: (laughs) What does that mean? That's exactly why I called you, Clark. So what I would do if I were him, do the 3%, pick up the 3% free money, Okay. and in there, even if it is a crummy bank plan, they probably have a low-cost index fund that he can put his money in, something called like an S&P 500 index fund or a total stock market index fund. That will have the lowest costs that are in the plan and just throw his 3% into that
2: with the employer
0: match. And then for anything else he wants to do to save, he should do his own Roth IRA. Okay. And is he disciplined that he'll do that 3%? and then find the money into that?
1: Yeah. Well, we're paying for college, so he's going to do this.
0: Yes. Right. So I would do, if he's in college, he's young, he's saving money, there's enormous value to him saving for retirement. He, 18, 19, 20, somewhere in there? Yes, 18. 18. So doing that at 18 has the the time advantage of his money doubling again and again and again over the decades. Okay. So, I would look at the lowest cost provider, which would be opening a Roth IRA with Vanguard. Okay. And just go in. I think the latest you can do is uh, year 2065, maybe, uh, which would be just right for your son being 18. Okay,
1: right. So the, okay. the
0: uh, Target Retirement Fund 2065, he needs 1000 uh, to open okay. that.
1: Okay, all right.
0: And then he can add to it every paycheck, every month, however he wants to do it and build up some serious retirement money. The advantage of the Roth is that he's in a very low tax rate at 18 and will be for a number of years, and the Roth grows tax-free and is spent tax-free, so that's a great deal. And by the way, if you are an employer and you're hearing me say, no one should ever have a 401k with a bank or an insurance company and you're like what what go do some digging you don't want to have your 401k with either of those kind of providers because they are eating you up and they're eating your employees up with fee on top of fee on top of fee cody's with us on the clark howard show hello cody hey how you doing great thank you cody
2: uh, I just had a quick question. I'm uh I'm 22 years old and I'm getting ready to take my first big trip here in about a month, and I'm trying to rent a car, but it seems like everywhere I go, all the websites they're charging me an outrageous um, young renters fee. Twenty five
0: dollars a day? Is that what it is these days?
2: Yeah, it's it's, it's I've seen it anywhere from 20 to 27. And I was just wondering if you could point me, you know, to the maybe cheapest cheapest direction to go about renting a car, because I've, I've never rented a car before, so I was just wondering if you could help me out and lead me, lead me down the right road.
0: Okay, so you're taking this vacation. Are you employed right now, Cody?
2: Uh, part-time. I'm a student.
0: The place you're employed, is it a big company or a small one? Small. How many people work there? Um, Fifteen. Anybody travel with the company?
2: Um, No, not usually. Okay.
0: You're not helping me here. Let me tell you why I'm asking those questions. Because a lot of uh, companies have a corporate travel thing, and they'll have a corporate ID number with a car rental agency, and there's usually a waiver of the fee for drivers under 25. So since you don't work for a company that has people who are on the road traveling, you're not going to have access to that. So it it is a cost of being under 25 that you get hit with the high fees. Now I'm looking online while we're talking and there's one company that seems to have if this information is accurate and I'd want you to verify it, that does charge a lower fee and it's Fox Rent-A-Car. Okay. Which what I see on the web says 14 a day. Joel's going to look right now and see if that's true. But I will tell you Fox tends to have uh, a, not the best consumer track record. Okay. So you, you may find that you're going to be Paying a big fee to rent under 25. Oh, Kim's coming. Kim, what'd you find for me? Oh, Kim has an idea. Okay. All right. There's a company that has not been a big success, but has been out there for a number of years called Turo, T U R O.com. And it's where individuals rent a car they have to other individuals. Okay, and they don't have a fee for under twenty-five years old. Okay, that's interesting. But so you say you say it's t u r o t u r o dot com. Okay, it just depends if they're renting cars, there are people renting their own car where you're going to be traveling.
2: Okay, that makes sense.
0: But the fee that you're seeing it's because the it's all because of accident rates that people under twenty-five tend to have a much higher accident rate. And Fox is now twenty a day, no longer fourteen. So okay. that fourteen was just fiction coming out of my brain somewhere. <laughs> so I'm sorry well, I don't have an easy answer for you, but Toro Toro is a good idea. That's fine.
2: That's that's more help than what I could have got by myself. All
0: right. Well let's see if that will end up getting you the savings and cars. By the way, renting a car from another individual is often a lot cheaper than renting right from one of the automobile rental companies anyway. Here on the Clark Howard Show, one of the most important things I feel I do most every day is the Rageous moment where I can warn you about a way that people might separate you from your wallet. How about people separating you from your home? Scams. Ripoffs. Outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. So reverse mortgages, the ads are all over TV geared towards retirees, maybe your parents, grandparents. And the problem is the ads are completely misleading. In fact, there's a new warning from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau of exactly that that people are told that these products are just the best, they're oversimplified, and the rest. And so you are left with the idea that somehow this is a government benefit. There are a lot of ads making it appear that reverse mortgages are a government benefit. They are not. In fact, the government indirectly is involved somewhat by ensuring some reverse mortgages in the marketplace through the FHA. But the reality is reverse mortgages are a last option. They have massive fees involved with them, and they also can end up making you homeless. There are continuing reports about people who end up in reverse mortgages, don't understand what they bought, and then end up out on the street, with the home they may have lived in for years or decades suddenly gone from them and they have no place to live. So what I want you to know is this. Anytime you're considering a reverse mortgage, you should go through financial counseling. They are something that is when you're out of all other options. There's nothing else you can come up with. And adult children of an aging parent, you don't want to end up with your aging parent suddenly homeless. You need to be aware, nosy, what's going on, and know that these ads run 24-7 trying to convince seniors that they should turn their home over to one of these lenders with a reverse mortgage where supposedly they get money every month, Are they going to get a big pile of cash? But the reality is they are truly mortgaging their future, and that is absolutely Clark-rageous. Remember, the only time to ever do a reverse mortgage, go through counseling first and have no other way to handle monthly bills. Other than that, stay far away. Glad to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. Clark.com slash ask is where you go to post a question for me. If you have a question you want to get answered by a member of our team, that's a free service of our show available 45 hours each week. On Clark.com, scroll down, and you'll see how to call in and what hours available for free off-the-air advice. I think about over the 30 years I've been on the air, how many questions i've gotten related to issues involving credit scores credit reports and credit scores and since the financial crisis and the banking scandals of last decade there's been a theme is people have tried to rebuild their credit reputation after so many foreclosures took place job losses with people not being able to keep up with their bills collections, and the number percent of Americans that have some kind of collection involved in their lives, by one estimate, is nearly 50%. So you've got so many people who have either no credit, a little amount of credit, or prior damage credit, and it's made it really hard for lenders to know who to extend credit to Because if you just go by what happened with somebody who lost his or her job and they couldn't make payments, then for seven years, they're looked at as being credit unworthy. Or someone who's just gotten out of school, high school, college, whatever, trade school, and they're looking, let's say, to buy a vehicle for work. And you have no credit history. You get clobbered going to one of those buy here, pay here lots where you pay massive rates of interest or whatever. Ford is doing something right now where they are looking at ways to extend credit to people, principally who have thin files, people who have like no meaningful credit history that can be used to determine if they should have a loan made to them. And there are now people who specialize in looking at people's credit risk profiles using entirely different ways to do so. And so in the industry trade publications, there's a lot written about Ford doing this, but some of the crazy weird things they're going to do is look at things like believe it or not, your cell phone number. How long have you kept the same cell phone number? It's just one factor that they'll look at because for some reason, according to deep data dives, people who keep the same number for years are more stable with their bills as well. Who knew? And there are other odd factors... That are going to be used to try to figure out who's at the greatest risk, like how you do paying just regular bills, or if you're a renter, how you do paying rent. And Ford is the biggest company I'm aware of that is starting to consider this, but credit scores still remain important and the principal way credit will be granted but alternative ways of developing a risk profile on you because of the massive computing power available today are absolutely part of our future. Ken is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ken. Uh, hello. How are you, Clark? Great, thank you. You want to help out your fellow listener. Well, it may be a help.
2: Um I've looked on your uh, website, and you talk about doing a daily check of your credit cards to look for fraudulent activity. I think I've got a better way to prevent fraud, and it's already saved me some, uh, a problem and a, an erroneous charge. I've signed up for text alerts for any charge that goes on my account. I receive it on the phone, and I'm able to stop any funny business right dead in the tracks.
0: Now you want me to be upset with my wife about all her transactions? Or it um, could be, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just they kidding. She's going to get even with me for that. But anyway, it is a great idea, and most issuers now offer the text messaging alerts, and you can set parameters when your text when you receive a text. And that is a a wonderful idea and superior to what I've said about checking your statements or checking online each day or every other day or whatever. Because if you get those text message alerts, you're going to know right away.
2: It may also help for those people that have secondary users on their credit card, like a college student, and mom or dad wants to keep up with what they're spending. It may work out nicely for them, too.
0: So what I was able to do for my 18-year-old is she has a card where I was able to give her it's on my account and I was able to establish what her limit would be that it's it's, uh, not a very high limit so she can never do too much damage to me. Very good. Yeah but I love your suggestion and it's a great idea.
1: Oh, very good. I hope it can help
0: somebody. Thank you. You just did. Pete is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Pete. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Pete. You have had an unfortunate cycle of home ownership you want to run by me.
1: Exactly. So, Clark, I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, our city, I mean, we our, our houses don't really appreciate much. We... Uh, we have a lot of land, so we have a lot of new homes being built every year, and so I've had this house I live in for the last 12 years, and it's appreciated probably about
0: $20,000. What did you I'm, originally pay for it? $275,000. So you have less than 10% appreciation to show over 12 years.
1: Exactly. And and I think one of the reasons is we have so much land to build new additions. I mean, there's just constant uh, growth of new homes in the area, and I think that keeps our house prices down. I think that's one of the reasons. Plus, uh, you know, there's a little bit of economy and things like that, but uh, I live in a great neighborhood, uh, great school district, and, and, and yet from looking at the comps around us, There's not much appreciation. All right, so
0: let me tell you something positive, though, okay? Okay. How many square feet is your house? 3,100. So I was talking with a friend who is uh, probably going to buy an apartment in New York City, and they were looking at one that is 575 square feet, and the cost of it was $599,000 for an old, uh, not very fancy apartment. You know, the advantage that you have in Tulsa is that even though your house is not printing money for you, obviously if it's gone up uh, just a tiny amount over 12 years, is that you have a huge amount of square footage for the money, You're paying down a mortgage every year. I mean, 12 years in, hopefully you're seeing uh, some headroom and equity just from what you're paying down on it. And your cost of living in that house is so relatively small. So it's not always about the value of the home increasing. And I've seen what you're talking about, you know, when I come to Tulsa and I'll drive vast expanses where you just go on and on and on and it's it's pretty thinly populated in terms of you know how spread out people are and there's land every direction so i I know what you mean that it makes it harder for you to have an increase
1: well so clark i was going to ask you we're looking to move again and my question is, in a market like ours, is it better for me to lease a home, uh, a new home that we're moving into, or do we just, are you a big believer that, that purchasing and paying down uh, and building equity is, uh, is still the best way to do well, it? Well,
0: it's a method of savings, but it also freezes your housing cost. Let's think back, if you rented a place, you know, a house 12 years ago in your neighborhood, The rents almost certainly have escalated over those 12 years. True. So you're locking in your basic housing costs by owning. Also, do you plan to stay in Tulsa forever? I plan on being here for a while, yes. So I I think ownership is the right thing. Interest rates are very favorable, and there's a certain stability that comes with owning a home.
1: Okay, hey, that's that's great. And and Clark, I had the opportunity to, to meet you when the new Costco opened in Tulsa. My son was with, with me at the time, and uh, really enjoy all the tips you you give us. And and um, yeah, I think I think ownership, ultimately owning a home, is is probably the best thing that uh, um, anyone can do. We just wanted to make sure that in a market like ours, is there anything different that that you would recommend. No, I would either. say
0: I would say even more it makes so much sense for you to own a home just because you're in a position where you don't have to worry about negotiating rent every year or having to move again or whatever that you've had this stability for 12 years and there's a real value to that as well. And remember at Costco anything that ends in 97 cents that's the real bargain. George is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, George. Good afternoon. How are you, Clark? Great. Thank you. George, I got to tell you something. A, a bug just fell from the ceiling, and producer Joel jumped back like three feet, and now you can't find it, right, Joel? Oh, I see him, but I'm planning my move. Oh. Well, do you want to talk to George, and I'll kill the bug? No, I don't mind killing okay. it. All right. <laughs> So, George, you want to talk about your car, your used car? What's going on? Well, what I'm doing, I'm getting ready to buy a used car that has some warranty left in it from the factory.
2: Now, whenever you go to a dealership buy a car, they start pushing an extended policy. Are extended policies worth the money? And should I buy it at the dealership or should I go online?
0: So, as a general rule, they're not. Um, the, the math on them is no better than any other uh, vehicle extended warranty or service contract, but there's a reason that I'm neutral on them on cars, and that is that most car buyers don't have the kind of resources that if the engine blew or the transmission died, they can't afford to repair and replace either of those items. And so the real question is what are your own finances like? Could you afford, if suddenly you own this thing for a while after the manufacturer warranty ends, and you end up with a $3,000 repair on it, can you handle that repair? Yes. If you if you have the resources to handle it, then you do not want to insure something you can afford to handle.
2: Okay, that sounds good. yeah, you know, I've never bought one of those policies. I just have been just... You know, dog lucky all my life, nothing's ever d- happened like that.
0: But And cars you know, they... are much more reliable than they used to be. And if you don't have uh, a need to have that as a backstop, if something went wrong, you are positively someone who should not buy one. Very well. And just... even if you were the right person, George, you would only want to buy one that is from the manufacturer itself. Okay. So, you know, when the manufacturer's existing warranty ends, the manufacturer's own extended warranty is what begins. Dave is with us on the Clark Howard show. Hello, Dave. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Great, thank you. So, you're getting emails from Publishers Clearing House, huh? Correct. How much money have you won? 850 grand. 850 grand by email, huh? yes and what do they want you to do
2: they want me to pay a certain amount of money they had three choices of whether 24 hours 48 hours or 72 hours to receive the money
0: <coughs> scam 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 not from publishers clearinghouse
2: well see i did enter the contest you know three years ago but about a year ago i I opted out. I was unsubscribed because I was getting several emails during the week. And I figured when I did that, I was out of the contest. But it uh, Yahoo has changed before this. The emails came in my spam on the 11th and 12th. It looked graphically different, but similar to ones that I'd been getting all along, so I thought it was legit.
0: Right, so the thing is... I've
2: already talked to my brother and both my brothers, one's a uh, retired attorney, and they both said the same thing you did.
0: Yeah, so the thing is, Publishers Clearinghouse and the FTC have both put out warnings that any email that you're receiving, um, anything like that, is absolutely bogus for any large prize. Only a very small prize might they ever send by a method like that. You know what they do? You see it on the is it the Super Bowl. You see them show up at somebody's house and give them a million dollars right. or whatever. I mean, they're not going to send you an email saying you've won that money but tell you you have to pay to receive any of it. Anytime you're told you're going to have to pay to receive any of it, that's when you know that it's absolutely not true
2: well they said it would be shipping charges I think
0: yeah they're maybe, lying
2: uh, maybe maybe 20 30 or 40 bucks coming from, it's a lie ostensibly from the uk
0: yeah completely a lie follow your brother's lead on this know that they're crooks and just do not engage in any conversation with anybody there because they are trying to cheat you
2: mm. thanks clark
0: okay i'm sorry to have to tell you that Joel, do we have time for a quick ask, Clark? We sure do, Clark. Helder wrote in and said, What would be the best site to get my credit report uh, and score without signing an annual agreement? Okay, so I don't want you ever signing any of those annual agreements. From Discover, you can see your score for free. You don't have to be a Discover customer or anything like that. They have a special website, creditscorecard.com. Again, that's creditscorecard.com. But my favorite, where you get to see your report, your score, all kinds of other things for free, free, creditkarma.com, and it is a wonderful resource for you. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I appreciate you tuning into The Clark Howard Show, and if you'd like more fun stuff to listen to by podcast, well, we have our Empowerment Zone. This is where... You get to hear the stories of people that have done amazing things, either in overcoming hardship in their lives or things they've done to accomplish. Go to Clark.com slash EmpowermentZone.